Hey guys, welcome back to the Pod of Greed. I'm Paul. And I'm Alec. And we are back one day late because we have just returned from our trip to Japan for yeah, Yu-Gi-Oh! Guys, we literally got back yesterday. Like last though, night. In a weird way, like today. Because it feels mentally like Our that. yesterday was over 14 hours. No, it was well over 24 hours. Yeah. Because it, we took off from Tokyo and when we... We, then we slept because it was nightfall. Yeah, we left Tokyo like on Wednesday, like afternoon, and then got back to the United States on Wednesday afternoon at yeah. an earlier time than we left Tokyo. Yeah, so we had, we had like an entire day in the sky, and I'm just confused a yeah. little bit. Suffice it to say, we are jet lagged, and if we sound really exhausted and dead, it's that's because why. of that. Not because we don't want to be here. If we didn't want to be here, we wouldn't. Be here. Yeah, right? actually, I was thinking about, like, when we got in, I was like, okay, let's go to the office and do the podcast. Like, but no, that was not going to no, happen. because like, we, we rolled in at, what, midnight or close just to? Just about. <laughs> just about. It, it was bad. Um, But there is uh, actually quite a few things to talk about, and that's why we still had to make sure we got this episode out as soon as we could. Yeah, so let's talk about Yu-Gi-Oh! World. This has been, it, it was an event. Yeah, so guys, if you didn't know, um, Yu-Gi-Oh! Worlds is held in roughly three different locations, and they rotate through them uh, every year, Mm -hmm. Uh, Europe, the U.S., and Japan. Now, the U.S. was supposed to be next, but that was the world that will not be named. Yeah, that was the 2020 Worlds, and so... (gasps) We said we wouldn't name it. Well... Oh, yeah, I guess. Oh, you know. <laughs> oh, well, it's been named the Eradicator Epidemic Virus. Yeah, world. that world. <laughs> except, I think it made a bigger impact than this. I don't want it. But, um, so yeah, this one was in Tokyo, Japan. Konami flew us out as content creators. We it was flewed out several, uh, <laughs> several content creators. So shout out to Konami. That was really cool. Um, so I think that honestly, pretty cool event overall. It was neat. Um, getting to see Japan was really awesome. Just real quick, I have to say, I, I love that country. I feel like the culture right. there. And obviously, like, this is from the perspective of a tourist. But it was so cool to see how much, like, card games and, like, anime really pervade like, this, the area. Akibahara is, like, an amusement park for a grown weave. Like, it's crazy. We it's a crazy district. We saw, like, there was, like, a 10-story building where all 10 floors were a myriad of card shops and like just model stores, like several, like each floor was like four or five different shops on it, and you just go down, and there were just more you and could more. Burn an entire day just going up the floors of this building. It was crazy. It was insane. Um, card games in general just feel like they're a bigger part of the culture. I mean, like at any convenience store, any like just anywhere you go, there's like cards for sale. Yeah, we there's were buying cards everywhere. Vend- like just vending machines and like little gotcha machines, gotchas everywhere too. Oh my gosh. We went when we went to uh, what was that Shinjuku to visit a shrine, and we ended up buying cards there too. Yeah, there was like a Seven Eleven promotion going on where, like, if you bought three Haichu candies, you would get like a Yu Gi Oh card, as exclusive like art Yu Gi Oh card. It seemed promotion. to be like a Rush Duel collab, where it was all art that looked kind of Rush Duelist. Yep, Duelly. Yeah, and there were also there was like apparently a Duel Monsters kind of bookstore thing going on at select bookstores around the area, but I didn't get to visit one unfortunately. Um, there was just so much to do. There was a lot. I feel like the the distribution of card game popularity is also a little different than it is here in the states. Like Yu Gi Oh is still really huge, and Pokemon is still really huge. But like Magic the Gathering is much smaller. At least it seemed to be Seemingly. compared to Yu Gi Oh and Magic. I mean Yu Gi Oh and uh, Pokemon. 
Magic has is much like further down the totem pole than it is here. Yeah, it seems like there was a much bigger emphasis on One Piece TCG. Saw a lot of that. Like, um, Battle Spirits was actually like, you know, kind of big over there. Yeah. Now, because I'm not too familiar with Battle Spirits, I didn't notice it as much. But I do remember at one shop there was a huge section just for Battle Spirit singles, and you don't make a section that large unless they move. Yeah, lots of just the Bushy Road games. A little bit of everything, really. It was quite cool to see. So, um, My favorite part were the arcades and the arcade card games. Oh, yeah, that's true. What were you playing? Um, I played the uh, Fake Grand Order Arcade. Guys, if you don't know, I'm a gotcha gamer. So, I've, of course, I played Fake, Fake Grand Order. And I played the uh, Gundam Arsenal-based game. I'm a big Gundam fan. I actually bought Arsenal-based cards a year ago when they uh, when they were released on like, Premium Bandai or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so then I finally got my chance to actually play these arcade games that I'd seen uh, in video before, and it was just so much fun. Yeah, it really was cool. I mean, it's a place that I want to visit again at some point in the near future, if I can help it, really. Tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow <laughs> I'll just go back. Um but yeah, let's focus, I guess, on Yu-Gi-Oh! Worlds. Yeah, back to Yu-Gi-Oh! Worlds. So, I think that cool event. Um, congratulations to all the winners. It was a really... Really congratulations to all the, the players in general. Oh, yeah, all the competitors. They had to work just to get there, and that was a grueling tournament for them. Yeah, I think it was very grueling. It seemed to be the case. Um, a lot of the players were very friendly. I got to make conversation with a lot of them over mm-hmm. the weekend. Learned we a lot. The, uh, what the U.S. and the U.S. champ was there, uh, Jeremy. Yeah, Jeremy Mitchell. Yeah, Jeremy yeah, Mitchell very, was there. Yeah, we actually hung out with him in um, Akiba yeah, like on the first day. day, and that was really cool. I hung out with him and Polly Aronson, and they were like, they were so nice. Like you wouldn't have even thought that like they might have been extremely on edge for like the biggest like tournament of their life because we were all just like in the ten story card shop mm-hmm. building, just running around and like having fun and just. Taking pictures, it was it was such a great time. And Paulie, you'd think he'd be different, but uh, between uh, what you saw on screen versus how he kind of normally is, but no, no, he's a hundred percent. He's that a is very him. genuine guy, very kind. Um, they were very just like talkative, willing to talk about Yu Gi Oh or not Yu Gi Oh. Like it didn't. Mm. It was very cool. I also got to talk to like when we were on that uh, sort of tour bus or whatever. I got to talk to like other people who were playing. Actually, one of the members. Um, of the team that won Master Duel, mm-hmm. I was speaking with him. What was his name? Uh, he was the guy who played the Tear Mirror match, like his username. Oh, Quanal Think. Quanal Think, yeah. Um, oh, so, yeah, I saw him on the bus. Yeah, right? he was really nice. And, like, I was just asking these top players, you know, their opinions on Yu-Gi-Oh! And I got some very interesting perspectives that I, just, I guess I never thought about the game in certain ways. Mm-hmm. And, like, who was the, who was the one the guy you met, actually? I want to tell them oh that story. God, I don't even, so I don't really know who the guy was. Uh, at some point, my brain turned off. But uh, he was a Master Duel finalist. And uh, he was different than almost anyone I'd ever seen like, play the game. He had no background in the TCG. Actually, he had no background in any TCGs. He wasn't a card game player. Um uh, wasn't he didn't seem very familiar with the Yu-Gi-Oh franchise either. Just a mass duel release and this guy just decided, I guess I'll be the best play I'll be one one of the best players ever at this game. Yeah. And, and he made it all the way to worlds apparently. Yeah, he uh, I think so. I believe what 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 did he say? He uh he was like top ranked in Europe or something like that. He had he was so far ahead he didn't even play on the final day and he still fin he still uh, won or became a finalist 
I think it was he was one of the South American teams. I'm not I sure. Remember. I don't remember his region anymore. But um, the the thing was, like he and I were just so different mm-hmm. because um, you know I don't play that much Mass Duel, but I love Yu Gi Oh. There's always coming. There's usually always common ground between Yu Gi Oh fans. With he and I, there wasn't really any. He just seemed to be so good at Master Duel, like effortlessly. It was kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. The way he talked about Master Duel, just it didn't seem like it was a challenge to him. Not really. Not to the same extent you might hear other people talk about Master Duel about their climb up the ranks to master and how different matchups work. Um, he didn't. He he wasn't worried about losses. He because he truly believed that he would win way more than he would lose. So a loss didn't even matter. Mistakes didn't matter because he didn't make them. <laughs> it was, I don't know, he was way above my head. I thought I'd see him at the on the stage at the end of the day. I was like, this yeah. guy, is, he's just different. He'll probably just win the whole thing. Yeah, I was talking to Quantal thinking, um, somebody else, I forget their name, I, I apologize, but just on the bus and like I was asking them, you know, because they also play TCG and Master Duel and everything. And I was just kind of asking them, like, what they thought of the different formats, certain cards, like card design, game balance, ban list, just a little bit of everything. And one of the big takeaways that um, one of the players was telling me about was I was asking about uh, what, like, his opinions were on Eradicator Epidemic Virus, for instance, a card that I know is very controversial. And so I was like, all right. I know what people on the Internet think about this card. Most people hate it or they want it banned or whatever. And I know kind of, like, what some Internet content creators' opinions are on the card. What does, like, a top-ranked player think of this? And this isn't obviously representative of everybody, but I thought that his opinion was really interesting in that he was like, yeah, you know, Konami might ban it, and they might not ban it, and that's kind of... This is TCG, by the way. He's like, yeah, they might ban it, might not. It maybe should be, but that he didn't see the card as inherently broken because he thought, well, if you're having trouble... He said that the people that complain the most about Eradicator Epidemic Virus are the people who are playing the spells that lose to it the most. And so he was saying that it's a good card for punishing people who play spell speed one, like kind of spell and trap removal against Labyrinth, like Lightning Storm, or cards like Triple Tactics Talent, or mm-hmm. those sorts of things, where like it punishes people who use that. And he was saying that if you really want to deal with it, you should either run spell speed two things, so run more droplets, more chalice, more cosmic cyclone, you know, more things like that, um, chainable stuff, or run more hand traps. And then he highlighted a specific like build of Kashdira that a player had used that had like that went heavily on the hand traps as opposed to m- most of the power spells and that player had far fewer problems with eradicator and so he was just talking about how like variance is really the name of the game and so that was like a really interesting insight some interesting insights on like castira and why a lot of top players don't enjoy the existence of the deck where they're mm-hmm. using it or facing off against it so many interesting things and i just thought like it all kind of came down to this whole like at the end of the day, like you can counter like any prevailing strategy, but you have to prepare for it. Yeah, you and have to I be flexible. That was really cool. And uh, so, so many of us run around with uh, these cookie cutter, quote unquote, best builds of a deck, mm-hmm. and you know we'll flame anybody in the comments with a deck list that's different. But it to be truly competitive and to be at the top level of this game, there can be no such thing as a best build for a deck. Yeah, it feels like it's so much more catered to the format you're playing in and the specific weekend. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not it's not even that, like, this build will be the best next weekend or that it was the best last weekend, but that this weekend, based on your kind of calculations, your predictions, your playtesting, this seems to be the best deck. And I just always got the impression that 
like cards can be broken or maybe they need to be banned or this or that, but it doesn't, that doesn't really matter because they are legal now. And so mm. like you got to deal with them now and how you build around them, how you play around them, how you factor them in is far more important than like whether or not you think they're, so I don't know. I thought that was kind of an interesting thing. Uh, let me see. Is there anything else like just before we actually like talk about the event itself? Um, I don't know. We talked about, talk about some of the players we met. We've, uh, the yeah. food was only okay. The, the food in Japan, good. The food that we sometimes got, you know, just for yeah, being a world. It was just okay. Man, we're middling. Bento um, boxes. The, the Konami staff were all solid people. Yeah, oh, so we did get to hang out with like a lot of just people from Konami. They were all very cool, very helpful. Um, and some of them were working very hard. Yeah, some of them were working really hard. I mean, like it seemed like it was a, a tough event to put on. I think a lot of maybe... Don't quote man. It's like I don't know exactly what was happening, but it feels like there were probably some fires that had to be put out and some crazy things that happened. Um, as content creators, I had like some gripes with how we were sort of not treated, but well, just more how we were utilized, how we were like or utilized, or, or maybe not utilized. I know a lot of people were saying um, in the comments that they kind of expected the content creators to play a larger role, like on the stream, maybe doing interviews. Well, or you know, we were, when we were on the stream, we were in the, we were in the front row. Yeah, something. I saw like a glimpse of us on the live stream actually, like for like <laughs> ha- for like half a second, they immediately switched away. It was like a crowd cam because you and I are there. Farfa wasn't; he was sitting beside me, but he had like run to the bathroom, and then like it was a really interesting thing but yeah um so i had some like gripes from from a content creator perspective just because i don't think we were fully utilized but i will focus instead on um what you guys what you guys probably saw at home if you were watching the stream we gotta hit the elephant in the room here what the back rooms oh lord yeah the players on the stream and like at least on the first day were playing in what kind of appeared to be like I, i so on day one, guys, the players weren't even playing in the venue that we use for day two. Yeah, the finals venue. They were playing in a di- in a completely different building. So, and a, a building we actually didn't get to see. We never saw where the players were playing, playing exactly. On that first day, so I can't tell you. Yeah, but what blew our minds because and we were kind of experiencing this at the same time. You guys were experiencing it. We're just like. Y'all couldn't have put up any branding around? Yeah, it was these really <laughs> empty office room, office building looking rooms. Like it just, it felt like some people call them like a middle school classroom. It was middle weird. schools I mean, had, oh I wait, think maybe they didn't. That production really could have been better. I mean, it, it looked basically like they were playing in the back rooms. And I saw a lot of memes and jokes about it online. And like, you know, for as much as I will try to defend some things that Konami does, and I understand that like these events can be difficult. I do think that was... A, a bit of a letdown. I mean, they make it look like the players are somewhere interesting. My suggestion know. was like, I think that they should have just put like a black curtain, like just around the plate. So I like would have put a green screen at least and then you could put whatever you want behind them. Yeah. I mean, I think like anything that just would have kind of given it a clean, a clean look that feels professional and like a black curtain costs you like 10 like, bucks to the hardware store. Even if they put the players in little like white boxes to play, you guys shouldn't have had to see that. You guys shouldn't have to have known that the players are playing in an extremely uninteresting environment. Yeah, so I think that could have been improved. I know like people were talking about there were like wires on the floor that you could see. They, they can see the wires on the floor? Yeah, they could see the wires oh, on the Lord, floor. Oh, Lord, guys, we have wires on the floor everywhere in here, but you can't see them. Yeah, and so it was, I just think that that wasn't great. And then there was like the paper playmats thing, which took so. Cl- 
Yeah, yeah, we'll go ahead. So, guys, to clear that up 100%, those weren't necessarily paper play mats that they were using. They were using these stick-on-to-table play mats. Basically, think giant stickers. And, and they're they going to st- adhere to the table. Yeah, you stick them to the table, and the players can play them, and then when the event's over, they can just pick them on up. Yeah, I think when you look at it, because like the, I know there's like kind of that one viral picture where it's, um, I think it's like Jessica Robinson and I forget yeah, oh yeah, I who she was playing, one. but yeah, like it was a very, it was a bad look. Um, funny story, I think the Konami EU Instagram account disabled comments on that post after it <laughs> blew up, but um, yeah, they, you know. So to clear that up, at least they weren't paper mats. No, they weren't. They weren't exactly paper. That isn't to say that it really helps a lot. It still didn't look great. Uh, I mean, whoever took that picture needs to be, needs to be reprimanded. Well, not reprimanded. I mean, they were just taking a picture of the event. But Man, it's just that take that picture without glare on the mat. Maybe what they should have done is just had the area look better in the first place. They so could have done that. They really, they really could have done that. So but that I guess was, then again, maybe you don't want to distract the players too much with yeah, all. Yeah, and that's the thing that I would I did want to raise is that I think it's not that important that the venue for like day one be extravagant because I think if you're a player, you probably would want it to be kind of just not distracting and not like over the top, like yeah. lights and stuff flashing. Because they had to play seven rounds. Yeah, they play a lot of and rounds. Stay locked in. So I, I think in that way it would be, you don't want it to be like too busy and too crazy and like loud and stuff in there. But I do think the black curtain thing or just like kind of make, you know, in some way making it look a little better. There were yeah. also points in the stream that I caught where like the overhead camera seemed to be like kind of just like shaking slightly. Like on the stream, because I, I tuned into when like Pac was streaming and he was like reacting and like their overhead cam was doing that. There were also mm. matches where there were no life points visible. Oh, I saw that. Yeah, was I saw like that. I don't know if that was every match, but yeah, I think it was like the first few, if I remember correctly. And I still they were still working out some kinks. Yeah, they're working on some kinks for the biggest tournament in the world that they definitely had. No, the biggest tournament in the world's coming up next week. We'll get to that. Um... <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, I don't know. I feel like that was definitely a um, a bit of a disappointment. I also just think, like, it's strange because Konami's been, like, streaming YCS events and stuff for a while, and some of those look better. So, you know, I don't, that's... Yeah, we won't, we we, 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 can't, we don't know who to blame, so we won't throw any blame out. Yeah. We'll just say it could have been a lot better. Could have been better. Now, to focus on finals day, the production is way better on finals day. We yes. were in the stage, we were in this huge room, um... That was much nicer. They had lots of different like TVs and um, the audio sound system and all that. It was really cool. They had cool performances. And they had a really nice performance, like a musical performance in the beginning. Um, my main complaint I had was that I think they should have utilized the like more of the Master Duel soundtrack in the production. Yeah. Master Duel has this amazing, amazing soundtrack with just some of the most epic themes. And like they did, they used them in like one time when the players were kind of being brought out the first time. And then that was it. And, like, to me, I think, like, that was a bit of a missed opportunity. Um, it just could have been cooler. Uh, what did you think of that? Like, just because we were sitting on the front rows, which was yeah, cool. Yeah, that was dope. Um, I, know, I really liked the uh, performances they put on. They had the uh, the dance group with the uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! World Championship flags. Mm-hmm. That was that was cool. Then they had, they had the, um, I, I don't know what you call that type of a Japanese rock group. But they were playing. They were mostly playing on what seemed to be um, just like Japanese instruments. Mm-hmm. But they put on one hell of a performance, so that, that was a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, that was very cool. Um, I think that 
it was interesting that they the way that they were kind of handling the stage was that they actually set up the computers for like Duel Links and then Master mm-hmm. Duel kind of in real time. Which yeah, it was nothing. That, that stuff wasn't pre-set up. That's one of the reasons why it took so long between games to, to get going. Because like I think they they could have just had that stuff on stage already in some way. Because like that caused a lot of hiccups. I think because they were like having technical difficulties with like audio and stuff on certain computers. And so that was causing, like, so if you're watching on stream, basically, that's just downtime. And we know Konami never really seems to have anything to insert into that downtime on their streams. I think they, I don't know what the what the players saw, I mean, what the viewers saw. I think you saw, like, just that one loading screen, and then you got commentary. I don't know. Yeah, it's that splash screen. Maybe they were commenting over it. You guys can tell us. I haven't gotten really any time. I've been so busy. I haven't had time to, like, look back at that finals day stream. Because I want to find the frame that we're in. So if anyone sees yeah, that, the they might have only been in the event. Japanese stream. I'm not sure, but either way, um, I think they could have filled that with more stuff. Um, the announcements. What announcements? Yeah, we got to talk about the announcements. So these were very letdown-ish. For those of you who don't know, there had been a countdown timer that was like posted on the kind of world's Japanese website or something for the last like two weeks, basically. And it kind of implied that there was going to be like this big announcement world on, on the stuff. world stage for Yu-Gi-Oh! And there were two different announcements, and they were both a little uh, underwhelming. The first one was that they're going to be doing some large tournament in 2024 mm-hmm. at the Tokyo Dome, exclusively in Japan. Uh, and that's all we know. And that's all we really know. That's it. Now, that's all we know. To my understanding, the Tokyo Dome is a really big, nice venue that's kind of considered like the equivalent to our like Madison Square Garden, right? Like I feel like that this is what I guess this would be the first Yu-Gi-Oh tournament held in a sporting event, right? Yeah, like in a, or sports, a sporting like event stadium. And also a neat fun fact about it is that's where the, the Yu-Gi-Oh like Tokyo raids or whatever. Oh, the, the old riot. The Tokyo riots, not raids, yeah, riots uh took place like many years ago there was this story about like how early in Yu-Gi-Oh's inception in Japan, they were handing out like these promotional cards where you could come to this like event and get promotional cards and they didn't have enough. And so there were like riots. And so it's like kind of a small niece slice of Yu-Gi-Oh history. And that, that this big event is going to be held at that same venue. And now there will be a new later. riot. You know, it's, you know, so there's that. I'm not, I'm not really sure. That doesn't really mean anything, I guess, to worldwide players, but it's. I mean, who knows? Maybe it'll be like a, like a snap, some type of a snapshot format. And they'll, they'll enter, they'll invite like TCG players too, maybe. Yeah, so there's that. I doubt it. Um, what was the other announcement? Rush Duel. Yeah, Rush Duel is coming to Duel Links. Um, this got leaked. Uh, f- I think I want to say a month ago at this point. Yeah, people but, had already uh, found. I think data. It got leaked a while ago. It found like and, data um, in the games files, but at, and at the same time, I think they found similar uh, lines of code in Mass Duel as well. So I wouldn't be too surprised if it found its way there too at some point. But um, so I don't as know. your as a resident rush duel kind of enthusiast that you are, I am I am a rush duel enthusiast. Let's hear your thoughts. Yeah, I think it's pretty cool. Uh, it's it strikes that middle point of actually getting uh, rush duels in the TCG because it did not seem like that was going to happen. Uh, at this point, I don't think anyone really thought we were going to get paper rush duel. And so then, then I have to ask yourself, well, how will we get to enjoy it? Mm-hmm. You might say, oh, the Switch game, but the Switch game. <clears throat> Isn't that good? You know, I'm not 
Now, if you love the Switch game, I'm not. I'm not coming for that game's throat. I'm not. I'm not hating you or anything. It's just that's not a very good Yu-Gi-Oh video game. Like it's good for maybe 2006, 2008, but it's I don't think it's a very good very modern Yu-Gi-Oh game. Yeah. Duel Links, however, is a great Yu-Gi-Oh video game. It, it's clean. It runs fast. It, it works well. Good production values. And, uh, yeah, good production value. And uh, I think Rush Duel can be presented very, very well on Duel Links versus its own game on Switch. Yeah, I also feel that uh, it will, because, like, Rush Duel kind of feels vaguely similar to Speed Duel or, like, Duel Links in rule set, kind of Mm -hmm. just a three zones thing, I think that that will be a nice, easy, like, kind of crossover to make yeah it's a little bit so. easier to make that connection i think major differences in case you guys aren't rush duelists uh you do have eight thousand life points instead of four thousand life points and you use a 40 card deck not a 20 card deck you might think well that's too many cards i won't be able to see my cards i promise you in rush duels you fly through your hand your cards so fast you will see virtually your entire deck it, it definitely just, is a rush duel in that it sense. will happen i do think too that uh since it seems like we're just not going to get physical rustles, like you said, I think this is a good thing. I feel the reason that we aren't is probably just because Konami doesn't want to maybe further confuse the store shelves with a new, like, I think it would be very product. confusing, and something like Rush Duels would need its own line of marketing. Rush Duels is intended for kids, and I don't think Konami really wants to put the marketing do- dollars behind gaining a new child audience. Yeah, which I have my own set of thoughts about that, but um, because I think that they probably should. But then on the other hand, I know that even in Japan, Rush Duel is not, it's seen as kind of rather niche. Yeah. Even within Japan. So. Because uh, our, our, our assumptions are based off of what we, we saw in the card shops we visited. Because we visited quite a few card shops. Yeah, many. And, you know, in Japanese card shops, they have these huge displays of singles, of singles. for different card games. And you could tell which games are more popular by how many of those displays they had. Yu-Gi-Oh! almost everywhere we went had nearly the most of those displays. Either it's Eclipse or followed closely behind Pokemon. Mm-hmm. One of those two games would just command most of the space. And then other card games would get one or two, one or two, one or two. Rush Duels was consistently a one or two case kind of game. And in some places, half a case. So, which tells me that Rush Duel is very much niche. Yeah, and so I think that for it to be brought over might not be the best thing, like business wise. But still, for it to be in uh, Duel Links is cool. However, both of these announcements, I think, were in the eyes of the community kind of letdowns. If you are an in the weeds TCG Yu Gi Oh player, and even for ma- probably many OCG just, players, yeah. these announcements don't. They don't really they're hit just, like that. I they're, mean, they're, they don't hit at all, really. Because the thing when, is, mostly. Well, sorry, go ahead. I was, was, was going to talk about the assumptions that people had made about the second Yeah, yeah. You know, people were expecting like a master rule, a new summoning type, some game changing thing. Yeah. And it's not Konami's fault necessarily. They never told us that this would be the biggest announcement of like Yu Gi Oh history. It's just that in today's day and like in this day and age, like if there's a countdown timer, kind of that whole announcement of an announcement, you better make it something kind of big. Because like at that, our expectations built higher and higher as the timer got lower and lower. And uh, I mean, these were not it. It's not that these are bad announcements. I'm yeah, sure the bad. Tokyo Dome thing is exciting to some OCG players who will be able to attend. I'm sure not all of them will. 
but I it it just it felt like a bit of a letdown, and I think it's a, something of a segue for me actually into um, the general. And like I say this, trying to be respectful of the fact that I know events like this are not like easy to put on. I don't want to suggest that you can just snap your fingers and make like an event like this happen. You can't. But I do think that they kind of played it safe with Worlds this year. Um, there was no voice actor character duel at all. No, nowhere. Like, you know, it could have been Dan Green and Eric Stewart, or it could have even been like Japanese voice actors for those characters. Either way, they didn't have any of that. They didn't break out the holograms. They didn't break out the holograms, which they have done in past like um, worlds, like, you know, finals days, they've had like the whole like Yu-Gi-Oh! kind of AR duel. Mm-hmm. We've like done shorts like on YouTube about like how they've done that. And so they didn't really didn't have anything to show there. Um, in fact, there was no branding from the Yu-Gi-Oh! anime. Anyway. Yeah, nothing that I could see. And I thought that was a little weird. They had, you know, they had maybe like static images of Yu-Gi and Kaiba in places, but you didn't actually see the anime, the Yu-Gi-Oh! anime anywhere. Not any of the shows. Yeah, no clips, not really like a lot of featuring of characters. Did you, um, do you remember hearing a single, like, like Yu-Gi-Oh! voice-acted piece? Yeah, I thought they could at least do, like, it's time to duel, like, something. Now, what's also related to that is we met a lot of fans, actually, while we were in Japan, which is a pleasant surprise. Yeah, we're just walking around Akihabara, I mean, Akibahara, and there would just be fans. Yeah, there'd be people who recognized us. They were very nice. Shout-outs to all of you guys. You were cool. We got some pictures and all that stuff. We even signed a few cards. But, um... None of them really seemed to know that Yu-Gi-Oh! Worlds was happening. That was so strange. Which was so bizarre. Like a lot, of, some of them were other tourists who were just visiting Japan. A few of them were like natives. But either way, they would ask like, "Oh, you know, what brings you to Japan? What are you guys doing here?" And we'd be like, "Oh yeah, like Yu-Gi-Oh! Worlds is happening." They'd be like, "Oh, oh. cool." <laughs> but like they didn't know. Like nobody seemed to know that Worlds was didn't actually care. going on. And then, yeah, in some cases, they were just kind of like, "Oh, neat." And I think that that really speaks to kind of a lack of buildup and marketing for an event like this. It makes no sense to me that a person who didn't expect to see us would recognize us by sight or by sound in this crowded space filled with people. But they but wouldn't they would know, know the world is happening. Yeah. And so I contrast this, unfortunately, to the Pokemon World Championships that are happening this weekend. Oh, everybody and everybody know about that. Everybody knows about it. And, like, I get that Pokemon is a larger, like, property than Yu-Gi-Oh!, so that's not, I'm not saying like you guys should have the same budget and all the same, like everything that goes into it. But when we were like going around on trains all week, traveling to different places, there were, there was an advertisement that like promotional little anime like yeah. clip yep. for Pokemon set on every train, the world championships. And that was like playing on the screens and all the trains. And I'm just like, where is the Yu-Gi-Oh one? Like, why do people not even get the chance to know that like the Yu-Gi-Oh world championships are happening? It's it's very strange to me that Konami could not communicate to all Yu-Gi-Oh players that Worlds is happening on these dates in Tokyo and that you should be excited for it. And I know there's elements of Worlds that will always kind of be a little, will always make it a little bizarre. Like it has its own exclusive format that mm-hmm. kind of combines CCG and OCG, and so that can make it unappealing. To most players, because it's a, it's a format that doesn't reflect the way that they but play at their card shop. If you are in the same city as the Yu-Gi-Oh! World Tournament, the and you knew you about know. it, you would pass by. Uh, right? Like, you would just yeah, visit. Hit it up. Even if like, they had, like, public competing. events and stuff. Oh, they, and they did have public events. You would pass by. But the fact that there were Yu-Gi-Oh! players in Tokyo that weekend who had no idea about Worlds and seemingly didn't even care if they did. 
That's, there's a weird yeah. breakdown there. That just doesn't seem like, like a very good thing. So I'm hoping that you know next year, wherever they decide to host Worlds, uh, it hasn't been announced yet, which normally I thought they announced it at the end, but mm. who knows? But the point is, like, they got to do a little bit more with like advertising and letting people know, like, Yu-Gi-Oh! World Championship is happening. Like, you should care. I remember, I mean, I even told, like, whoever would listen that Konami should do, like, some sort of an OTS. Like, they do that OTS thing where, like, on the weekend of Worlds, your OTS store can play with the oh, Worlds yeah. format. I know they did that, like, last time. Maybe have that, like, a month leading up to Worlds to get players familiar with yeah, the Worlds format. Snatch the entire format away from us. Force well, us to play Worlds format. Uh, it could be optional. For, like, a month. It could be optional if people want Not to. Not optional. Like, Mandatory. But I think that it, it would help because, like, that way people would know what the format is. They could be invested in it. They could have play tested with it They themselves. should make people complete for envelopes. Yeah, the the envelopes that they have. This year it was Dark Magician Girl and Magic Cylinder that you got in this little special envelope. But, like, I think that that's something that could have also been, like, given to local stores. And you can compete for it. Those are worth a lot of money. It just, it does feel to me like they played it very safe. Mm-hmm. And... I guess I just would have liked to see them kind of go a little more all out. Like, I agree. Because this weekend we are going to be watching Pokemon Worlds take place and like they're not going to, you know, fail to deliver. Like yeah, they're they, going to bring it. So they're going to bring it. Yeah. That's, um, I wouldn't call it my rant. I just, I guess I'm a little disappointed by that element. I think Yu-Gi-Oh can do, can be doing a lot more there. I don't even play the Pokemon TCG, but I'm going to at least... We'll tune everything. into enough of it to see. It's TCG, VGC, Unite. Like, they're oh, playing. They got United yeah, they have Unite. Oh, They've cool. got, like, everything. It's really I don't cool. play any of those things, but I will check it out. Okay, so I think that's everything for Worlds. Was there anything else that uh, you noticed? I don't know. We talked about the people, the food, the games. Oh, the games themselves. We didn't really talk about, like, uh, the... The matchups and how we felt about the finals. Oh yeah, the finals were cool. Like okay. the most important part of Worlds. Yeah, that's true. We should probably touch on it. Um, Duel Links was neat. It was a three zero shutout though. It was a three zero shutout, but it was it was so unexpected. Um, you know, I was a part of the uh, Road to Worlds campaign for Duel Links, and I thought I had a pretty good idea what to expect on the world stage. I was like, I was like, we're for sure going to see Orcus. We, we'll probably see Odd Eyes. We'll probably see um, Speedroids, and then we didn't see any of those except Speedroids. They, oh, we did they see Speedroids. Up. We did see some Speedroids, but Orcus and Odd Eyes were completely like they were just non-factors. They were not brought into at least the final two duelists did not use it. Yeah, it was like heroes. A lot of that. Yeah. Speedroids, it was heroes, Speedroids, Rocket Dragons were used. Yeah, rockets. Uh, what's that? What are they called? Uh, Crusadia. That one surprised yeah, me. Yeah, that was neat. Crusadia, and then there was something else too. But regardless, I was not expecting that deck mix. Uh, I you know I played quite a bit of Duel Links leading up to the Road to Worlds campaign. I was fairly certain my Odd Eyes deck could wipe the floor with like heroes, mm-hmm. and maybe it could have beat that heroes list that, that that guy used. However, I did notice some like interesting things about those. Worlds level dual links decks, mm-hmm. lots of back row. Oh my god, yeah. that's a lot of back row. It feels like you have to because, like, in a game where it's just it matters so, like, you know, you're kind of only really getting like one chance at this. Mm-hmm. I think it's so important to have back row. By the way, this is coming from somebody who does not play a lot of dual links myself, but I can see the importance where it's like it's literally worth sacrificing, like, having a slightly weaker, like, monster front board to just have 
interactions because there were some really big moments where like Forbidden Chalice or Forbidden Lantern or whatever. Cars like, were huge. Paleozoic cars just like played such a big role in swinging things. And so I can see why a person might like err on the side of caution and have more of that like chainable back row stuff. Mm-hmm. So. I do think these players, they decided they optimized for consistency. They picked decks that could get started a lot easier and then they could fill the rest up with back row to protect themselves with. It it may actually it honestly made for very engaging games. I really enjoyed watching the Duel Links final, especially the Crusadia deck because that I I honestly had no I did not expect that. Paul will tell you the whole time the Crusadia deck was playing, I was waiting for it to turn into Orcus. I was like, so when's this become Orcus? I, I don't understand. Yeah, it was kind of fun too. There were like a lot, a lot of nice moments where the crowd really was like, whoa, like the gasps. With, yeah, um, I was right the there. Forbidden with Chalice or Land. Just like whenever a Forbidden spell would get like chained and. That was always really fun. Um, so, yeah, that was cool. Master Duel. Master Duel. Master Duel was neat. I have my, like... The 3v3 format. I have my thoughts on that 3v3 format. I think it's cool, although, like... So, this is no discredit to the players. They were all awesome. You know, congratulations to Joshua Except. Schmidt and his team and all that stuff. Except. Except, I just feel that, like, it was harder to follow... Now, I don't know what the viewing experience was like from home. I'm assuming what we saw on the screen was also what you guys at home saw. But, like, it basically is just... I hope they saw the cards in English. It focused... Yeah, I think they did. I think they did. Um, You know, it focuses on one screen, and then, like, the two other matches that are going on are kind of at the bottom of the screen. So, if you're more interested in what's happening at the bottom, good luck. Yeah, there's not really a way to see that. So, that was kind of like... I don't know how they could maybe improve that. Um, I... Anyway, the games were fine. I'll, I'll say that. The games are cool. I'm just mad that it made me sit through a tier ditto. Yeah, Alec is not a tier. I mean, I, I, I understand other other people like that sort of thing. I don't even know. I was like, it's all in Japanese. I know what was going on. I, was like, oh. I think tier mirror matches really are like a you love them or you hate them thing. Because to an outsider or something, it kind of just looks like a, a mishmash of just stuff. I think that for what we for what it was worth, it was a good tier match. That was um when Jesse was facing Quantal Think. Yep. And very back and forth, lots of cool moments. The super poly moment was cool. The Forbidden Droplets moment was cool. I guess they were cool. It was uh, neat seeing <laughs> neat seeing like Kaleido Hearts like literally both just shuffle themselves back. Lots of milling. It was exciting. Um I, I gotta say I felt really bad for Ryan Yu. He and that matchup against Exo Sisters. Oh yeah, that was really sad. It was sad because like I saw him like crossing his fingers before I, the match. Like I, I liked his games, and I liked when he was on camera because he was so emotive. Yeah, he's an expressive. You could see player. when he was in a. You could see when he was winning. You could see when he was losing. You could see when he was desperate. Yeah, probably one of the. You know, no one's really performing for the camera, but. Of the one of all the players, I feel like he did the best job of performing for the camera. Yeah, he wears his heart in his sleeve in a good way, and I think that was cool. Felt really bad for him though; like it was a tough draw. It's not that Exo Sisters get like a free win against what he was playing because he was playing, I think, a Dragon Link in that game. Yeah, but rather just that, like it was just the worst set of circumstances. Like I remember he used Maxi when the Exo Sister player went first, which is normally a pretty good card against Exo Sisters. They don't really like. They're either forced to play through it and kind of give you a lot of cards, or like usually when they have to stop, they just have like a weak monster and but he's, stuff. What, he summoned two exo sisters and set two back row, right? Yeah, he was able to just get two on the field, you know, by resolving Martha, and he set three back row. Yeah, was, and yeah, like, and we saw that Pax had searched for like Vedas, and then he had like Returnia, and it was just 
it was the best Exorcist can get when when faced with Maxi, and then on Ryan's turn, he um sort of starts to play and like. Max C gets chained to him, which the thing is, normally that kind of, it sucks, but he had Called by the Grave. But the problem is, if you use Called by the Grave. You turn on the Exo. Then you turn on all the Exo sisters, and then they get to start going off, and at that point, it's just like, ugh, tough draw, like just really tough draw. Um, but I think Master Duel was like, a, it was a, probably the most interesting, like overall event of the weekend. I mean, there was just so much Yu-Gi-Oh going on at one time, you know? But then the TCG finals, um, Polly Aronson with Dragon Link against uh, uh, Juan Pedro with... uh, I know he was the Peruvian player. Yeah, he was playing Sword Soul. What I like... He just put the smack down on Sword Soul. Yeah, Sword Soul, a lot of like kind of not the best hands and stuff, but... Um, he did manage to like he hit two evenlies and Polly still played through that, so that was very impressive. Um the Nibiru in the second game was like really tragic because while effective, it actually ended it, up kind yeah, of started the combo. still allowing uh Polly to make some more cards. I think it's a good to me at least it was a good showing in that that like evenly in Nibiru, as strong as they are, do not actually like win you the game outright. Nope. And in the case of evenly, you actually don't even really want to have two most of the time, because that's a card in your hand that like could have been yeah, something useful. you know something more useful. Because like right after that evenly, he only had um, long one in his hand and not like Moye or something, and so it got a little bit more like complex. And also he had to contend with like Polly's hand traps. So you know a good match between the two. I liked to see that they were they seemed to be very positive and like talking to each other and stuff on stream because yeah. you know. It could have been different. I mean, that last round, that that last game between them was so scrappy. Mm-hmm. They were just down on resources, and my the thing is, Dragon Link does not need a lot to like get going again. Mm-hmm. So I felt like at that point, it was the dra- it was Paulie's game to lose. It felt like he was more likely to draw out of that situation than. Uh, the um, Sword Soul player, because I don't even, I didn't even, I, I couldn't even think of what Sword Soul would need to draw to, like, it's a little tough to like back. completely come back from that. I think especially because he like was, if I'm remembering correctly, that was like the game he done Pot of Desires, so I don't know what all he, was like out of his deck. And I think he might have only had one Moye left. I don't. Even I think know. he had like two, but he didn't see him or like, he, yeah, he didn't see it in time. So so it just it was kind of an unfortunate. Like I always would have liked games like that to go to game three, but it's Yu Gi Oh. It doesn't always, doesn't go, that always way. go that way. But shout-outs to um, Paulie Aronson. Like I said at the start, very nice guy. His mm-hmm. interview was hilarious. Um, he, they should they should have had a translator on stage. Yeah, I think that would have been a good <laughs> call. Because he was just like, oh, I can say more? Okay, well, you know. Um, so, yeah. All in all, congrats to the winners. Congrats to the players. And congratulations to the true MVP of the entire event. Hmm. Rocket Tracer. Yeah, showing up in, like, literally <laughs> all three game. games. Rocket Tracers, like, just the best Yu-Gi-Oh card, putting apparently. in work. Everybody, get your Rocket Tracers. It's going to be here forever. <laughs> or it won't. Maybe maybe, maybe Konami will see this and be like, okay, maybe this was a problem. We're going to ban it in every game. That's not me personally saying that I have, like, some issue with it, by the way. But just that it would be interesting if Konami was finally like, all right, the like quick launch and Tracer and all that stuff is all going to get limited or something. It's just funny. We saw it because the, the Duel Links player had his rocket deck and then Master Duel had Dragon Link and the TCG had, or the, the paper game had rock, uh, Dragon Link. So, consistent cards. I want to hear what you guys think about the whole, like, 
you know, three games now that Yu-Gi-Oh kind of juggles at Worlds. Could have had cross duels up there, too. Yeah, canceled. Couldn't even make it to its first Worlds. I wonder if they'll do Rush Duel. Now that... Well, Rush Duel actually did have its Worlds... Yeah, there was some sort of a championship happening. Yeah, when in the we other room. got there, it was in it was in a different room, and I I think it was streamed completely separate from the world tournament. But Rush Duel, I believe, had two tournaments: mm-hmm. a uh, an adult Rush Duel, uh, I guess thing, thing yeah. and a a twelve and under Rush Duel thing. We didn't see the adults play. I don't know if the adults played in a separate venue or just on a different day. But we did. We actually saw the children's Rush Duel finals. And it was just wonderful to watch. Yeah, which is like, I will always say it's nice seeing like kids kind of get their own way of enjoying Yu Gi Oh against each other and not necessarily with the. It was like one kid looked terrified up there, but then he comboed his opponent to. He <laughs> comboed him out. Back. It was, but it was fun because I don't really know what all Rush Duel cards do. I, I know some. But um, it but they still have enough legacy cards and rush duels where certain cards when you when they hit the board you know what's about to happen, because uh one kid was playing this uh, aggro kind of uh dragiers deck the blue dragon multi strike guy, and he would just make his big dragons and slap down the inferno barrier statue, Ouch. and say all right play through it, and but the other kid I mean he was ready to play through it he was playing this um. Seven Roads Magician kind of fusion combo strategy where Seven Roads Magician would just get huge. And he would he he used the barrier statue, the same barrier statue sometimes, but his real kicker was Jinzo locking his opponent out of his traps. Yeah, so I think that maybe they should have like Rush Duel next year. I think or I think that'll be cool. I think it'll fun. be cool. At least if it hits if it hits dual links, there's no reason not to. True. Okay, so I think that's everything with worlds. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All in all, um, a neat event to attend. There's more I would certainly like to see on the production end of things. But, you know. I'm just I'm really interested in seeing what next year's Worlds will look like. Yeah. Uh, what up what 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 would it do better? What would it do worse? Will I be invited? I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, hopefully <laughs> they will. Shout out to Gunna Konami. You know, they brought us out. It was it was cool. But yeah, hopefully some improvements, but still shout out to the players and all that. Okay. So now we transition into a game that's doing its world championships this weekend. There hey. is a lot of Pokemon news going on. Yeah, um, it's, it's it's a good time to be a Pokemon fan. Yeah, so I have just right now, like I pulled up the this article that's kind of got everything. Oh, guys, remind me to get my Mew and Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. Guys, if you don't know, there is a campaign right now through Mystery Gift to get a Mew. I don't have one. So uh, please, in the comments, remind me because I'm not going to do it. Uh, I don't want to forget. Yeah, so last year's World Championship event took place in the Excel London Convention Center, where five champions took home anywhere from $10,000 to $25,000 in prize money. This year, Cash. it will um, once again take place in person outside of the U.S. and host five different games that players can compete in. So here are the five games. It's going to be starting on August 11th in Japan and will end on August 13th. So a three-day event, Pokemon TCG, okay. Pokemon VGC, Okay. Pokemon Go. Didn't know that you can compete in Go. You can compete in Go, but apparently you can. Po- and Pokemon Unite. That's so, four. And then closing. Ser- Wait. So where are the two? Where's the extra? Is it five? Huh. <laughs> the next game is Pokemon Sleep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess there might be something that has two. 
I don't know. Don't know. Couldn't tell but you. According to this, that those are the four games you can compete in. So somebody maybe more familiar with that can tell me how there are five champions, or maybe there's only four this year. But either way, um, lots of different games. Um, it's all going to be streamed. I'm going to be checking it out. Like I said, I liked the lead up that they had to this event. Um, the cool sort of marketing, like anime looking promo thing that mm-hmm. they made. And they also had some big announcements in the recent Pokemon news. What is that called? It's not a Pokemon Direct, right? It's a, It's called Yeah, a, it's like a Pokemon news thing, whatever um, it is. Ouch. The name escapes me, but um, they are, what is it? They're bringing the Pokemon TCG Game Boy Color game to the mm-hmm. Nintendo Switch like eShop. That's going to be fire. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I'm always going to be a hater when it comes to Nintendo re-releasing things for me to buy for a second time in my life. However, my parents paid for those old Pokemon games. I didn't buy those. So you don't have to be bitter. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, so apparently it's actually still a really great way to learn how to how to just play the Pokemon card game. So that's awesome. They're also doing that um, new and a new short animated series titled Pokemon Path to the Peak. It's oh, going to premiere cool. on YouTube on August 11th. So basically, the series is based on the Pokemon trading card game and follows Ava and her partner, Pokemon Oddish. And so she's basically going to be like learning how to play the card game and playing against other kids. And um, yeah. I think that's really important, honestly, because the Pokemon TCG is extremely popular, but not the actual playing of it, collecting it. Yeah, that's true. I think this is a good way to sort of Convince people, like, hey, you can play with Pokemon cards, too. Like, you and don't you just should. have to collect the Charizards. Um, and you, you can still do that. It uses that really unique art style that I'm I'm not, like, an artist. I don't know how to describe it. But, like, it's it kind of, I guess, it feels like the characters are, like, paper almost. And they, you remember, you saw the trailer. I saw it, but I don't remember it well enough to comment on its design. I just remember it looked nice. Yeah, it was a cool trailer. Um, I don't know how many, like, episodes or whatever this is going to be getting. It'll probably be short. But it's supposed to be, like, kind of just these short, like, maybe five-minute episodes. It reminds me a little bit of, like, Pokemon Origins and Pokemon Generations when they were oh, doing classics. Those. those are really cool. And I uh, hate to bring it back to Yu-Gi-Oh!, but I think that this is a missed opportunity for Yu-Gi-Oh! to have something similar. Like, why don't we kind of have, like, a, a completely separate, like, short animated series about a kid who's playing at, like, his local game store and like they should do an animated version of po- of a uh, Yu-Gi-Oh OCG structures. That's all OCG structures is. It's a uh, it's this kind of meta Yu-Gi-Oh verse where the characters are playing the Yu-Gi-Oh paper game using modern archetypes and you know even with the, some of the same strategies that we use today. Yeah, and this is supposed to convince people to start playing Pokemon TCG Live, which is kind of their like Magic the Arena Master Duel app thing. I've got it on my Tablet. Um, you played it yet? I've played a little. I only made an account, though. Then we had to do all this traveling, so. I know. I'm getting around to it. I know. I've promised I Had a I whole will. flight to play. Well, I couldn't play. It's, a, it's an online thing. You could have you bought the Wi-Fi. Oh, you wish. <laughs> um, airport Wi-Fi. Or airplane Wi-Fi. Jesus Christ. Um, what? It's only like $80 or whatever. Yeah, so I think this is cool. Uh, is there anything else with Pokemon? I mean, I feel like there's just... There's a there's so much happening with it. I mean, with that many games all being rolled into one major event, there's going that's one that's one heck of a news cycle. Yeah, I know that they also announced that Pokemon Horizons is going to be coming soon, which is which is strange because like, we, right? like, we already knew that, right? We already knew it'll be coming. Like, yeah, I would assume so. But isn't there another Pokemon series? Now I think about it. 
They announced another one, right? Uh, I mean, there's like the game on on Switch, like the Detective Pikachu game. No, like, and there's another animated series. I thought. I think that was one with the TCG game. Unless there's, there's something a, else. I, I think forgot. there's another one, even separate from that. I think I might okay, be wrong. I'm not sure then. But like, I also might be getting confused with the uh, animated uh, Pokemon Worlds deal they put out too. Yeah, it's like, man, they really take care of Pokemon. Like they, they really, do. they they really make sure that like you will not not know about that this championship they, is happening. The new games are coming out. They pump so much production value into every facet of the Pokemon franchise. I kind of just wish that the the Yu Gi Oh franchise was much the same, especially given that the, both these franchises they kind of like they were big around the same time. Yeah, but. Pokemon seems to still be able to keep its concerted effort into pumping quality into every part of it. Yu-Gi-Oh! seems very disjointed as far as the anime, anime the, the card cards, game, the video the games, stuff. the yeah. merch. Now, I feel like they got to like get somebody on just like kind of gathering it all together and making it feel like a consistent push. Yeah. Because I always get the impression that Yu-Gi-Oh! is just... And I know that this is kind of the case. It's like it's just handled by different people. Like there's a, a big pie, and everyone's kind of got their hands in it. Yeah, like, it feels like there's like five different Shueisha, like Konami, Studio Dice, TV Tokyo. Like I, I think that they need to all like get in a room together and be like, okay, look, we need to stop being so like defensive about this and that, and just like let's get you get everything and you go all on the same page mm-hmm. and like push cohesively and invest more in like the advertising and like that sort of thing. Um. But to stick with Pokemon more, it's not to say that Pokemon isn't without its issues, right? It definitely has like, problems. The, the games have problems. The card game has problems. Yeah, the, I know that the, the games, they're not Pokemon Unite has problems. <laughs> There's that. But, like, and I know people have been complaining about Pokemon Go. I've heard a lot of that. Just events and stuff being hidden and, like, or kind of locked to different locations. But still, you will never not see Pokemon. You will mm-hmm. always know that things are happening, it's existing. So, uh, okay. Any other Pokemon stuff? No, yes. <sighs> that was that. That was a lot just by itself. Well, let's talk about another card game. Um, What's that? Lorcana, Disney Lorcana. It's actually launching here in about a week. Oh, okay. And it was actually at Gen Con. That's right. We did hear about that. There's another Gen Con story that's kind of related. I'll get to in a second. But <clears throat> one Disney Lorcana enchanted card is already selling for hundreds of dollars. Yeah, so the Enchanted Elsa card from Disney Lorcana. How does it pronounced? Have we found that out yet? I would call it Lorcana. Lorcana. That's how I would call it. Okay, well, it's quickly become highly valuable, selling for $750 to $850, even though it doesn't have any unique in-game performance. The scarcity of the Enchanted cards due to limited availability has contributed to the high resale value, but it may decrease... Are these secret rares? I don't know what an Enchanted is. Uh, may decrease once the game is officially <laughs> released and more enchanted cards become available. Oh, yeah. Okay, I'm looking at the card now. Yeah, I think enchanted might be the like, their, kind of like secret, secret rare, rare or some type of chaste rarity. Mm-hmm. What does it say? This is Elsa, Spirit of Winter, Floodborne, Hero, Queen, Sorcerer. All right. Sounds yeah, powerful. okay, so it's the secret sixth rarity called Enchanted. The was, secret sixth rarity? Yeah, so um, rarity in Disney Larcana is principally divided into five ranks, with common, uncommon, rare, super rare, and legendary cards, all featuring different distributions that make each rank more desirable than the last. 
A secret sixth Disney Larkana rarity called Enchanted was kept under wraps until recently, making its announcement a surprise that quickly fueled searches for the cards at its Gen Con 2023 demo. Uh-huh. Um, the Enchanted rarity features a special foil process identical to the game's exclusive D23 promo cards and alternate art, but the abilities of Enchanted cards are identical to the standard cards they align with. So this Elsa is selling for hundreds, um, even though it may not be like a stable price, it does seem to be something that's in high demand. Obviously, Elsa being the most popular kind of Disney princess of, of the last years, decade. That's for sure. So, um, cool. I mean, like, I, like I, like I have said before, I don't know that I'll be like playing Disney Larkana very much. I might collect a few cards, though, open some packs. People at Gen Con seem to really be, like, freaking out over it, though. Like, it was really big. I mean, Gen Con is a big TCG kind of uh, expo. I mean, you're going to get the hard, most hardcore TCG fans there, right? I mean. Yeah. Any like, If you are, like, a real, like, crazy TCG head, then you've probably been to a Gen Con or two. Yeah, would have gone myself, but it was, of course, the same weekend as World, so that yeah. wasn't going to happen, but... um. Like, like, I blew too much money in these last few events. I I, I, I couldn't be at Gen Con. <laughs> yeah, so Disney Larkana is dropping, I think, on the 18th. And um, for those of you guys who are excited about it, I mean, it's finally here. Uh, another card game joins the mm-hmm. mix. You feeling any, like, how are you feeling about it? Just I right mean, I, I, you know, I'm, my feelings on Larkana hasn't changed or Larkana or Larkana. God, I, I can't choose either how I want to say it. Regardless, my feelings haven't really changed. Uh, I'll probably collect cards of uh, Disney characters I like, and that'll be it. That'll probably be the extended. I game. might, I might make a deck, but I probably won't play. Yeah, that also reminds me of a comment that I read. I think on the last episode, um, somebody was asking, like, are we going to try to kind of learn more about these different card games so that we can better uh, appreciate like kind of these news stories and developments with them? To answer that comment, probably not. <laughs> Mostly because, like, I mean, I really am like. It's enough to keep up with the card games that we do. Like, for me, Yu-Gi-Oh! is my primary card-only card game. And, like... I mean, I learned to play every card game, but do I play them? Not necessarily. Like, I couldn't really tell you about every new product and stuff like that. So, I will say, that like, in the future, for, like, other stories, I mean, I'm going to try to read up a little and get more background on things so I can speak with some degree of, like, intelligence about them. But until then, disclaimer, like... We are usually just sharing our kind of just gut reactions to the news. Yeah. With whatever kind of limited anecdotal experiences or observations that we have about these games. We're not trying to spread misinformation. Yeah, we're not trying to lie about these games, but we're just lying every person about these has games. Di- wow. Every no. person has different like gaming uh car game bandwidth and uh I I definitely realize mine is I can only play like I can play two TCGs and a third one. I can I can play when I have time, but that's it. Yeah, especially <laughs> with so many TCGs having like you know reboots and alternate versions yeah, and, and these like cars cost money. All these different things. I can't obviously can't buy them all, but I will say that it does make it fun when people in the comments can kind of ex- better explain a story to me, like with the Magic MSRP thing or other stuff like that. Like I like to be able to kind of defer to you guys, and people will go in the comments and be like, "Hey, like here's how it works." And it never feels like it's an ego thing. That's true, because uh, the comment section, you guys can play more card games than we ever can. So in that someone way, plays everything. it's a bit more collaborative 
as far as our general knowledge of TCGs go. And I do read those. Like I, I actually enjoy reading comments, I think, on Pot of Greed episodes more than any other place. You heard that? He doesn't care about your comments on the main channel. That's right. Uh, so, yeah, d- shout out to Disney Lorcana. Uh, I'll try to pick up a few packs, see what I can do with it. And that'll be probably the extent. Another card game that... So what was the... You were telling me about um, Dragon Ball. Oh, my God. I don't know if you had, like, an actual story no, for that. No, I don't. Uh, but, let me look something um, up. Alec was saying that they announced kind of recently that they are rebooting the Dragon Ball Super card game. Now, this is one I can just say right off the bat. I don't know a lot about. I know that it is another Bandai game. Um, it was the one, you know, before, like, One Piece and before Digimon. And um, this was something I heard kind of uh, in passing. So I don't even know. I don't, I, I don't know enough details to even go into it right now. Okay. Let me see if maybe we it can. Might, it might even have been wrong. I, uh, guys, I don't. Okay, let me that see. That was just something that someone said to me, and I haven't had the chance to confirm it. Yeah, let me see if I can find a story on it. If I can't, then maybe it's just not worth. Uh, yeah. I don't see. Any... Wait, dra- okay. Uh, okay, Dragon Ball Super Card Game is moving to the next level. So, Dragon Ball Super Card Game will launch a new game title called Fusion World, featuring a new logo design on both physical and digital platforms in 2024. Okay, um, I'm seeing that too. In addition, we will rename the current title as Masters and continue developing the Zenkai series there. Enjoy a completely new experience with these two different game titles. And they also did a message from the game's producer. That's a video on YouTube. Okay, so I guess there's not a lot of information about it. There might be more information, but uh, we don't actually know where to look for it. Yeah, so... But yeah, the Dragon Ball card game is getting seeming, we'll call a soft reboot. Okay. I think this is much in the way of how Vanguard does its reboots. Where you you know your old Vanguard cards are still playable if you play in the um, uh, oh I forgot premium format I think it's called in Vanguard where anywhere in premium format any Vanguard card that has not been banned in its ban list is playable. In this case, the Dragon Ball Super Card Game will be relegating all of its previously printed cards to the master format, where you can still play them; they're still usable, and they'll still even make new cards for that format. Seemingly, it but says now that Fusion World. Is it says it will new. provide a more intuitive card battle experience. Can be played tabletop or digitally. The quote is a super aggressive card game enhanced by two systems. When life is reduced to less than half, the car the leader card awakens. The battle is accelerated by the power up in a tight situation. Okay, so that's really cool. You can awaken your leader, and they have this sort of Ooh. example um, card image. I guess image. you flip the card over, essentially. Yeah, you probably like flip the card over, and I think that kind of feels like you know Goku powering up type of If, they, if it's thing. digital, I wonder if it has a cooler effect on the digital side. Yeah, combo to join forces, combo to defend, gather the power of your friends, and strike the final blow. That's so build a deck with three types of cards. Leader cards, one leader card. Um, and then battle cards and extra cards is 50 to 60. The game starts with the deck and leader card in place. The first player to reduce opponent's life to zero wins. And they have a video and they've got some starter decks and booster packs coming soon. So needless to say, guys, I will be trying this out. Uh, I won't 
I won't like say, oh, I'm 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 gonna be a Dragon Ball player now, but I will try it out. I did play a bit of the uh, what was that? The Dragon Ball card game by Panini. I think that was the last one I played. I hadn't played any of the Dragon Ball Super card game by Bandai. That one I at that. I was bur- I felt kind of burned that the Panini one ended, and so I just. Didn't I would love play to it. play it with like somebody who actually likes Dragon Ball a lot. Like I know Syriax was he had messaged me. Oh once. Oh my god, Syriax! Oh yeah, god. Syriax and Rhyme Style and Dota Doy. They they'd be great. They um, love Dragon Ball. They love Dragon yeah, Ball more the than three breathing. idiots. Yeah, he had messaged me once, and he was like, "Hey, what's like your kind of overhead dueling setup?" Because like I want to play maybe do like some Dragon Ball videos on like a second channel, and so I was telling him, and so maybe he'll be interested in this sort of thing. I'm sure that they would contact him and maybe do a little sponsor they thing. They better. If and they if, know what's good for him. If anybody from Bandai is watching this, definitely contact those guys. Yeah, those are your guys. That'd be great. Maybe I, I could do a video with them on it, too. That'd be cool. I gave you the idea, at least. Come on. Keep me in mind. You think you, get, you, you gave them an idea. They probably yeah, I know they thought about had it. it but, um, so, yeah, apparently they did show this at Gen Con as well. Okay. And that brings me to our last Gen Con story. What's that? Thieves steal $300,000 worth of trading cards from North America's largest board game convention. Oh, that's not good. Thieves launched a heist at North America's largest board game convention and stole $300,000 worth. Heist? Of, I mean, that's what this article and is saying. And thieves? It's from So, as reported by Dicebreaker, the Indianapolis Metropolitan Police Department is currently seeking help identifying two people of interest who are possibly involved in a theft at Gen Con. The event, which took place from August 3rd to 6th, was attended by the Biggest names in the industry and also saw the debut of the highly anticipated Disney Lorcana trading card game, though its launch was not affected by the theft. I actually remember them tweeting out that no Lorcana cards were stolen. But um, basically, the alleged thieves reportedly acquired a pallet jack before removing a pallet of trading cards while vendors were setting up their Gen Con stalls, the IMPD said. The cards were moved to an unknown location and remain missing. Trading card thefts are becoming more and more common, perhaps unsurprising, since a single card can be worth hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not a couple million. Though it's unclear which trading card products were taken, whether it was Magic, Flesh and Blood, Yu-Gi-Oh, or otherwise, Pokemon cards are perhaps stolen most regularly. So, um, as of right now, it does not seem like there is an update to the story, but, um, yeah. I wonder, their palette jack... Did they bring that themselves, or did they snatch one at the venue? Good question. I don't know. I mean, like, $300,000 worth means I think it was sealed products. It wasn't, like, singles that were taken. I know they had, like, a video of what looked like maybe some surveillance footage or something, like a screenshot. So even though you can't identify the people, you can see a big pallet full of products that were sealed. And, you know, some might criticize the event and whatnot for this happening, but when I think about it, all convention conventions are so large and so disorganized. I can actually, I can see someone pulling off an act like this, and I don't think it will be very hard. You know how you know the how people will say just look like you belong. Yeah, conventions have so many personnel from different departments that answer to different people that even the security at the event doesn't actually know who's who, who is like who's who and who's allowed to be where. Yeah, it's crazy. I think if you were pulling a pallet or like pushing or pulling mm-hmm. a pallet like two people and you maybe just even had on like a staff shirt or like a something that some looks sort of a jacket, staffy. like something that just looks official ish, you probably wouldn't raise a lot of questions and that's unfortunate, but I do hope they find them. Um 
even if it's overpriced Magic the Gathering cards without an MSRP, you know, still yeah, they could they could have been Yu Gi Oh cards. They could have been Yu Gi Oh cards. There's no telling. It's probably Pokemon. Not gonna yeah. lie, like I think Pokemon probably seems like the most likely candidate. But I do hope the cards are found. Um, that's no real updates on it beyond that. I know card games getting stolen is not like a new occurrence, and so sucks. Does yeah, it just sucks. Hopefully, there's more information on that. Um, shame on the people who stole them. Those are valuable trading cards that deserve to be in the hands of actual paying customers. Yeah. We want to buy all those cards. You heard that thieves send us an email right now. (laughs) Yeah. Promise. I won't turn you in. Um, yeah. So that was happening at Gen Con. It definitely sounds like the card game place to be. I'd like to maybe even go to it next year. If it doesn't even more so than worlds. Well, if it doesn't conflict with something like Yu-Gi-Oh worlds, I would would go, but, um, this year, I was at a bigger event. All right. Allegedly. I think that's... Oh, wait. There's one last trading card game news story. Oh. This actually happened, like, last week before we could cover another podcast. Post Malone bought the... Oh, yeah. One Ring. Yep. It did eventually find its way into Post Malone's grasp. In a video posted to TikTok and other social media sites, Malone can be seen with the previously anonymous owner of the card, now identifying themselves as Brooke Trafton. Excitedly examining the card and saying, yeah, I'll take it. In the instantly familiar manner of someone deciding to splurge on something nice. Good for you, Post. Treat yourself. And so, um... So did he actually pay, like, two and a half million for it? Uh, I think it says here in a second, but here's a quote from the from the person who pulled it. I guess this is Brooke Trafton. They say, when I found the one ring, the first person who came to mind was Post Malone. I have played MTG since I was a kid, and obviously it would be amazing to keep this card. But for a guy like me, being able to sell it is life-changing. I just really hoped it would go to someone who would appreciate it as much as I do. This is my dream come true. Meeting Post Malone and him buying the One Ring card for me is literally a moment straight out of a fairy tale. Post Malone, Magic the Gathering, you have changed my life. Things like this don't happen to people like me. I guess it's magic. I am forever grateful. Sparkle emoji. So... Yeah. What if he sold it to Post for like 30 bucks? That'd be funny. I think it says, I'm trying to find out how much it was. I remember reading about this, like as we were leaving for Worlds, basically. Um, what what did they say? say? I, don't, I don't see. They might not have wanted to release the price point. I mean, I think they said maybe 1.6 million. I feel like I read that somewhere. Sorry yeah. if, I, if that's like completely off. I mean, I guess. Really, the price doesn't matter. Yeah, that's true. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, we we'll always want to like compare things, you know. But what, so, what do you think about the story? Like, the, just the the act of it all. I mean i I thought it, I think I thought it was um, it was it was it was, was kind of novel, I guess. I'm not gonna lie. I'm glad to be done with this stupid one ring thing. Me too, actually. Like, I not stupid in that like it's stupid that he would buy or that this person pulled it, but just. You guys have heard Alex's thoughts already on like kind of these like lottery card type I don't of things. Like them. And particularly with this one ring, I kind of find myself in the same boat. I just, I, th- I think it was, I didn't love just the kind of whole execution of it. It's cool, but it's really like not cool. I don't know. It's a fine one time gimmick. And I think with something like the one ring, fine if you want to go for it on that. Lore wise, at least, I it's don't like, like consistent. yeah, but I don't like how everyone is trying to do very similar things 
We're just arbitrarily making low pull rate cards just so that we can create some type of a frenzy around opening up sealed product. I do think I, it doesn't I, feel special at all. I fear for like other card game manufacturers are seeing this and maybe doing it themselves. They're all going to do it. And that like worries me. I feel like it's only a matter of time. We're just like, Disney Lord we're making lower and lower pull rate cards and more consistently in card games. And I have to ask myself, like, why are we doing all this? This is, I don't think, I don't, I don't think doing it so much benefits players. Oh, it definitely. I feel I like I once every few sets, if you want to do like some big money lottery type situation. Oh, I don't even think once every few sets. I but think like, like that should like I think that this one one ring thing is fine because it is like kind of the first time, to mm-hmm. my understanding, that like Magic has done this. And I think it needs to be like the only time, at least for another like, ten years. Maybe on anniversaries, like you know, Yu-Gi-Oh is doing its uh, quarter century nonsense with these uh, late with these latest sets, but um. I have this feeling that Konami isn't going to stop with the sheer amount of lottery cards that they have in these sets, even once we're done celebrating the 25th anniversary. Mm-hmm. I feel like on the 26th anniversary, we'll be doing the, we'll be still adding crazy lottery well, cards probably that for no reason. I assume if they want to do, if they want to do lottery cards on anniversary on like major anniversaries, fine. But I mean, I we have lottery like- cards in every set. That reminds me, just you mentioning this anniversary. I actually feel like they've kind of dropped the ball on the 25th anniversary. And I know that that's something that we actually talked about. Like, I feel like the very first episode of this podcast. Like, do you feel, are you feeling the 25th anniversary? Like, are you feeling it now, Mr. Krabs? Right? Like, I don't know that I am. Like, for for worlds to be as kind of not under, well, mm, lackluster, kind of underwhelming as it was. And just generally, like... I think they could have been doing more. And I'm not saying I want them to do a one-of-one card, but I'm just saying, like, events-wise and, like, merch-wise, I don't think that they've done it. You know that uh, Magic Cylinder and Dark Mission Girl that they put out in the uh, World's Envelopes this year? They're quarter-century rare. I guess that's true. It doesn't make a difference to me. I was just mentioning it. So, yeah, I don't know. I I guess it's just... Anyway, congratulations to Post Malone. That's right. So... You put your money where your mouth is. That's all the stories I've got. Um, I don't, th- I mean, there's been like lots of other different things, but I think now is time for us to you know, dig in the pot. Dig into the pot on the pod. Got lots of questions from you guys. Let's see what you have to say. Oh, God. <laughs> got so loud. Alec is ready for this. Ha! Got a card. You got your card? All right. What's your first question? Ah, do you think Konami will reboot Dungeon Dice Monsters or Capsule Monster Coliseum? No. Wow. I don't think they what will. What a hater. Do I think they should? 100%. Do I think they will? No. So I think okay. that they won't, sadly. I really wish they would, but I just don't think they will, man. It's uh, like, I okay, that's something I meant to mention. So, you know how, like, Pokemon's got, like, red and blue and, like, Pokemon Stadium and now Pokemon Stadium 2 and all that shit on, like, the eShop, right? Yes. It's a shame that Konami hasn't done the same. Like, throw Forbidden Memories and Dark Duel Stories and all that stuff. Like, like, put that on the eShop. Even Wheelie Breakers? Hell, I mean, uh, even Wheelie Breakers. You heard him, guys. He wants Wheelie Breakers back. No, but do you think that would be a good idea? Like, re-releasing these games? Uh, Well... To an extent, I think I think it's so fine. Old, like, if you're just re-releasing them digitally, go ahead. Why not? Like, 
so it, my thing is if Konami won't even do that, then there's definitely no hope of. Hey man, Duel Links is getting rush duels. That's still a step in the right direction. I don't remember too much about Capsule Monster Coliseum. Oh, it was man. a they did like four special anime episodes. I remember for Capsule Monsters, right? Oh, you're talking about the the entire season. The, there was like a it was like an arc or is a season. Okay, tell me about it. Yeah, uh, so on the he- on the heels of the end of the Yu-Gi-Oh anime, uh, four kids put out an order for another Yu-Gi-Oh season, a spinoff season that would be kind of just for them, and that was the Capsule Monster chess season that we all either forgot to watch, didn't watch on purpose, or just did not even hear about it. Yeah. Uh, it was a bit like... It was spinning off the idea of capsule chess, which is something Kazuki Takahashi created a long time ago in the Yu-Gi-Oh! manga. I think Mokuba was known for playing it and for being like one of the best players at it, where you play this chess-like game with these monsters that are literally in capsules, and you reveal them to your opponent, and that monster has its stats and whatnot, and yada, yada, yada. Well, in the TV show, we got rid of the chessboard, and we treated it like Pokemon. And they put these little these little dual disc things on their arms so they could shoot capsules and summon their Pikachu. I mean, <laughs> they're Celtic Guardians. Yeah. So what was the game? The game was on PS2? Yes. PS2 it was on Capsule. PlayStation 2. And that was uh, kind that of a was different Capsule game, Monsters right? Coliseum. And that was played a little differently or was it played the same? It was played much in the way of how Mokuba played it in the manga. It's actually very similar to uh, Duel of the Roses. Mm-hmm. Now, Duel of the Roses had the whole turn-based moving of like monsters. Yeah. Very, very similar to the point where there's almost no difference. I think they should re-release that stuff. Yeah. I think it would be cool. Like, even think, if it uh, doesn't get good sales, who cares? It's like a re-release. Honestly, and those types of games are so simple. Honestly, you could just you could throw some new monsters in them and call it a new game. And yeah, I mean, I, I think especially... So, since we saw Cross Duel kind of just fail, Sad. I think Konami will probably not be taking any major risks with, like, new games. Even though I feel Cross Duel's failure was not for the reasons that maybe they might think it was. I mean, I'm, okay. I'm sure they had, like, huge internal meetings about, like, why this didn't work the way that they anticipated. So, I'm not going to claim I, like, know better than their marketing department mm-hmm. and their devs. What I will say, though, is that I think that Cross Duel missed the mark because... It is not a game for Yu-Gi-Oh players. It is right. a game for maybe just a like kind of puzzle or RTS or like board game type of like mobile gamer. But it's you can't. It just, it seems like it needs to be marketed in a very specific way into a very not a specific group, but a very different group than regular Yu-Gi-Oh players. I think a lot of regular players saw Cross Duel. They thought it was going to be like oh four-way dueling. And they find out it's got these weird rules. It's a very different type of game than a Yu-Gi-Oh card game. But either way, you know, that's shutting down next month. And I think that with that, Konami is probably like, yeah, we ain't doing no more of this shit. So, or at least they're going to take a different uh, a different way of doing what they did. I always said that they could, like, hell, throw it in as a game mode on Duel Links or Master Duel or something. I know it's not, like, as easy as snapping your fingers. But, I mean, the coding and stuff has been done and the assets and stuff have been made. So... It could be a neat addition to one of those. I mean, the assets are made, but I mean, just that that the, the type of game that it is is so different from those. It's yeah, it's very unique. So like, it is it is like night and day. It's even it's hard to even. I don't even know how I'd roll that out to the players. Like, how would I announce cross duel and master duel in any way that makes sense? 
Well, and then as for uh, the Dungeon Dice Monsters. Because then they just want four-way Macedo and say, why don't we have four-way Macedo? Yeah. You can't just cross the... Which I'm shocked it doesn't happen. Anyway. It's probably coming. Um, Or at least Tag Duel. Something in Master Duel. Yeah, give... Where is Tag Dueling? Come on, Konami. You think they would? Now, also, what was the other thing they asked about? Dungeon Dice Monsters? Yeah. I guess that would have to be like a physical thing. I mean, it could I mean, be a You can game. run it digital, too. Um... They did a physical release of it. They did. They did. Very um, short run. It ran thing. for a bit longer in Japan than it did here. But I think... Uh, Probably too many pieces and stuff to keep up with. At the time. But have you seen modern day board games? That is true. They use a stupid number of pieces. There actually might be an argument that there is space in the board game world. And on the uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! fans plate for a board game. A Yu-Gi-Oh! A Yu-Gi-Oh! board game, I think. Konami just won't do it. Or maybe they will. They skirt. All right, I'm going to draw my card now. What you got? Oh, my goodness. Um, I taught my 12-year-old nephew Yu-Gi-Oh! with GOAT format. Should I show him synchros, etc.? Hmm. So, GOAT format, that's before we got synchros, right? Yeah, for sure. 2005. Synchros weren't until 2008. So, if you got a 12-year-old into playing GOAT... Like, uh, I feel like it's you have to. Or I mean, hmm. I compare goat format right now to like speed duels, where it's you can tell that speed duels will probably eventually introduce synchros, but they haven't yet. So I think you'll eventually have to, right? Yeah, it feels like if you want to develop their interest in Yu-Gi-Oh, you I mean you're going to have to. Like you're definitely missing out if you don't. Like you're but missing it, out on a lot of cool. But stuff. at the same time, uh, Maybe like, don't let the fairy tale end type of thing. Because yeah, I mean, goat is a very fun way to play Yu-Gi-Oh. That and the, and that style of Yu-Gi-Oh very much gets left behind. Like once you move past goat, yeah. Once you get into the synchro, formats, it starts to change. I mean, I'll say you should. I, I would say that you might as well. I mean, like it's an aspect of Yu-Gi-Oh that it, it is fun. It is interesting and. You know, it's where a lot of the modern enjoyment and creativity in Yu-Gi-Oh! comes in. So if they're enjoying, like if your 12-year-old nephew or son or whoever, you know, if they're enjoying Yu-Gi-Oh!, I I think that introduce it, see if they like it. Like, I mean, maybe just go as far, you know, maybe go as far as Edison. I don't know. Yeah, Um, Edison's a fun evolution of GOAT. I think that's a fairly safe format. Where uh, you're being, you're still not getting into the the insanity of modern day Yu-Gi-Oh, but they're getting a taste of what Yu-Gi-Oh has become. Yeah, um, and then get them in a hat format. And I do <laughs> wonder when like Speed Duel is going to add Synchros. I think it's going to have to be like eventually. I mean, thing. they it feels like they reached Battle City, and then they're like, let's like drag yeah, this s- out, stay here because they were about to release the Streets of Battle City product. I'm, I believe. Yeah. So whenever that comes out, maybe we can do like And then I think they're supposed to do it. another one where they go back in time. Did they announce that? Or something like that. I don't know. There's so many. I, I mean, technically, they're like going oh, back. Oh, no. They already went back already. They, they started GX. You're right. Yeah. They already are going Yeah. Back they already time, are stalling. So. They got to GX and they're like, ah, Yeah. We need speed to speed up 5Ds already. That'd be, that would be good. I'm interested in seeing how they kind of introduced Synchro as a concept there. I remember when it came to Duel Links, it was like a. At first, it was well, largely ignored. Thing. They, uh, we. Only had a few synchro monsters. They weren't that good. So honestly, not that different from how it went in TCG. Well, anyway, yeah. I say eventually you got to show them synchros. It'll be more fun that way. Yeah. All right, what's your next card? Get in there. 
Uh, yeah. Do list. Oh, I dropped it. Wait, wait. I gotta pick up. It's it's a deep jar, guys. Leave me alone. Yeah. Wow. Wait a minute. Like, I'm gonna redraw because this one's too similar. Oh, it's a similar question. Well, just it it's very similar to one of the other ones, and I'd rather not have to rehash anything in this episode. We already did this one. I don't know how I got Are you back keeping in cards in the jar. I don't know how. I don't know how. Okay, okay. Oh, this okay. has to be different. Sure. Why not? Oh, okay. What's the question? So it's not a question. More so of a demand. Uh, create a new summoning mechanic. Oh, Lord. All right. Fine. As somebody who does not think that this game needs any, I will do it anyway because you asked. All right. You want a new summoning mechanic, huh? That's what you want. That's what you want, huh? What's your summoning mechanic, Alec? So, check this out, all right? All right. What if we had monsters that could combine, not like a fusion summon, not like a synchro summon, not like an Xyz summon. Mm-hmm. What if they could combine like a uh like like their artwork combined? Oh, like how Rustle has like the the maximum the summons. maximum summons. That would be really cool. So, the idea behind this summoning mechanic would be you can maybe maybe if you get all the pieces in your hand to like this combined artwork, it's like this weird pendulum summon where you just splat all of them on the field at the same time, and then they do something. I don't know. I feel like we've done everything in Yu-Gi-Oh. I don't really want the extra complication, but I guess if I had to throw in some mechanic, it'd probably be something about like shuffling the cards back into the deck, which like some contact fusions technically do, like gladiator beasts or ritual yeah. beasts and stuff uh, already. Neospatians. But like I do think that uh, shuffling the materials into the deck to summon a card could be good in the sense that like it can make cool monsters without the cards going to grave because I feel and like the cards other effects. Yeah, the cards yeah, going yeah, to the yeah, grave yeah, is kind know. of what's led to some elements of like the hyper combo ness that throws some people off of Yu-Gi-Oh. So I think if the cards went back into the deck. At least you don't have, like, immediate access to just revive them or use their graveyard effects. Right, right. And maybe these cards, when they are destroyed or whatever, they could also go back into the extra Ooh, deck. better yet, maybe the cards just get banished. Face down. It has to be face down. Otherwise, they're just going to get abused ooh, again. Ooh, ooh. Here it is, Paul. A type of monster that, in order to play it, you banish cards from the top of your deck for each of its levels. That could be neat. I mean, like, you know, Toon Kingdom kind of did that whole thing. With, it like, did, I but I, every time you summon a monster, it just takes out some more. Yeah, I mean, I think adding some heavy cost to things could be cool. Now, what color? Here's the important thing. What color is the cardboard? Periwinkle. I was going to say red. Oh, okay. We haven't done red. I guess we haven't done red. Because, yeah, traps are really just kind of like puce or violet color. There's a question for you guys. Okay, what color What color do you call trap cards and what color do you some call people fusion call them pink. cards? Because I've heard traps be called pink, and I used to always think of them as, like, purple, but... See, I always thought of fusions as purple. But, yeah, I guess fusions are purple and kind of more so like a violet. Like, fusions are like violet. Depends on which printing of fusions you're looking at. Yeah, sometimes, and that, that <laughs> color has, like, shifted a little over the years, but, um... Yeah, I mean, that... I'll be honest, I don't want another summoning type, though. Yeah, so. that's fair, I don't either. I, but if it had to be one, I think your idea is the cooler one. I got three like, three monsters make an art. Yeah. Kind of whole thing when they're together, they do a neat thing. All right. Next question for me is, are card games becoming too expensive? Mm. 
So normally I would say no, but after looking at that whole Magic the Gathering, no MSRP situation, maybe? I feel bad for those players. That's I really wild. do. Like those cards, those Magic cards are just... And I think that's a lot. Like see, a pack. when card game, when many of these card games are first started, they were started as like some type of a passion project, or at least just some type of like a business venture where they, they expected to make some money. They weren't expecting. They felt millions. honest. Nowadays, when you make when people make card games, and the and the people who make those old card games today, they are very much making card games with a the goal of making millions upon millions of dollars. This is a money making venture for them, so they are. Games are being introduced at higher price points, and older games that used to be cheap are now much more expensive than they used to be. I mean, I know part of that is inflation. So that's like, what they want you to believe. Well, I mean that that much is true, but I do think how that come costs get to increase with inflation, but wages do not. Listen, I agree with you. I'm just saying that capitalist. <laughs> I'm trying to be fair to the. I, I know that like inflation has caused some the the price of packs to increase. But I do agree that I think it so there's like a Yu-Gi-Oh answer to this and there's like a card game answer to this. Mm-hmm. I think Yu-Gi-Oh surprisingly is like fine right now. I don't know that it's like cheap, but like because obviously there there's expensive like secret rares and stuff. I think but competing in Yu-Gi-Oh has always cost money. And yeah, competing has always cost money, so there's nothing new there. But I will say that I think Yu-Gi-Oh's consistency in pricing like the fact that card packs only just recently finally caved to inflation to go up to like four forty nine, but that they kept them three ninety nine for far longer than their contemporaries did, says a lot. I think like Konami deserves some credit for that. Right, right. And I also think that Yu Gi Oh's predictability of like reprints helps a lot because apparently in some other games reprints are just not a thing. Or look like, at Commander Masters or barely guaranteed like. So Yu-Gi-Oh, the fact that you can be sure that if nothing else, a card will get reprinted like a year from release mm-hmm. outside of a few, you know, cases. Oh, speaking of reprints, I probably should have mentioned this earlier, but you just reminded me. Mm-hmm. Uh, Digimon is finally getting its first reprint set. Oh, okay. What's it called? Yeah, uh, RB1 Rising... I don't know. Rising something. Rising something. It was a set that came out in Japan a, wa- a while ago, and then... It seemed we seemingly weren't going to get the set, and then uh, that kind of that time passed. So we assumed, okay, we'll just somehow get the card, the exclusive cards for that set at some point. Well, it seems we are getting that set, and it will have lots of reprints from the early Digimon sets. You might remember those were the sets that we got very few of because of the virus that will not be named. Yeah. So uh, yeah, some games they struggle to get reprints. The grinning grave virus. It's a different <laughs> one each time. Uh, okay, yeah. So I guess for like the Yu-Gi-Oh thing though, it's like there is a predictable set of reprints in this game. Mm-hmm. You do know that your cards like will get reprinted, so you can wait it out. In other games, apparently that's novel and yeah. not not as common. Much rare. So I think on the Yu-Gi-Oh side, even though it's expensive in the way you expect it to be expensive, it is at least nice that there's a pattern of predictability. Card game space as a whole, though, I think it's just gotten a little out of hand. Like just the collector thing that kind of popped off a few years ago has made things a lot harder. It's a lot grimier. It's a lot grimier, wise. a lot more like, you know, you, you see more about like card shops, marking up stuff, and that magic not having an MSRP thing is mind-boggling to me. Um, I just don't know how they can feel okay about that. 
I don't like it. I remember looking at the prices of the, um, uh, what's it called? The Shadowverse starter decks. Those things had like a, a pretty hefty price on them. I mean, I know like different games maybe are including different things in their starter decks, but it really will make you feel appreciative of Yu-Gi-Oh. Like if you look at these other games for long enough where it's just like starter decks being like 20 or 30 bucks sometimes and, um, you know. I, feel, I, I don't know. It feels like it's it's kind of tough to be a card gamer, but at the same time, at least if you're playing like an older, more established game, I think it's felt... I think it's been kind of a gentle increase over time. But if you look at it strictly from now versus way back then, it feels more like pronounced, more drastic. So our card games are coming too expensive. I think on the MSRP end, like, or just availability end, yeah. I think Yu-Gi-Oh, it's fine. Yeah, Yu-Gi-Oh is probably fine. But yeah, um, cool. Those are our questions. Those are the questions. The Pod of Greed. Hopefully you guys enjoyed. Oh, one last thing. So there was a pot of greed available in Japan. There's a new plush oh, like, yeah. pot thing that they made that you can win in the crane game machines. I did not have the opportunity to get it, though, because when I saw it, the guy at the crane machine was, like, refilling and fixing the machine or whatever. And I never got time to come back. Guys, he'd been working on that machine for 30-plus minutes. At some point, we had to give up. Yeah, I really wanted to get it, so I'm just going to have to order one for myself. I did, however... Pick up the Bandai Exodia like oh yeah model kit, so I will be putting that together on a stream soon. We'll have to Alec will probably be doing more of the pudding because he builds. I'm gonna force Paul to do some work. I'll I'll do some work and hopefully it won't take as long as that Millennium Puzzle stream we did. Ah, no way, no way. There's no way it'll take. But then again, I don't know how big this uh, model is. It might be a big one. Yeah, so look forward to that stuff on the main channel. Speaking of the main channel, shouts to everybody who recognized us. It made me feel, uh, we were talking about this, it made me feel almost like I haven't done enough, like, content-wise. Like, I want to, like, you know, just do more content, do more Yu-Gi-Oh stuff. Because uh, anytime you're walking around Akihabara in, in, you know, Tokyo, Japan, and people are still saying, hey, you're those guys from Team APS. That's pretty cool. It is. So we're going to try to do better with videos, we promise. And for those of you guys who haven't, Check out all the latest videos on the channel. We had a really fun unhinged duel with Larry and Trell that um, you should watch if you have not seen it. I'm in it. a little bit of it. Yeah, we won't spoil how. Yeah, watch the video, drop a like, do all the stuff. And thanks again, as always, for supporting this podcast. We appreciate and it. Sorry this episode came out a day or too late. I don't know what day it is. But, uh, y'all, it's, it's, been been a, a it's been a lot. <laughs> okay, that's it for the pod agreed. Hopefully you enjoyed. We'll see you guys next week. Same time as normal. That's going to be it. Yeah. Past turn. Past turn.